0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Athletes Rising. I'm your host, Kelly Gray. Today, I had the pleasure of talking to Courtney Levinson. Courtney is a sport and performance psychologist consultant who specializes in delivering mental skills training for teams and individuals. She works with parents. She works with coaches. She works with teams to help them navigate the highs and lows of competitive sports with their kids. She played Division I soccer at UC Berkeley, she has created and produced a film all about a woman's journey to getting an A license, uh, a UEFA A license, um, and she has founded a company called women in Soccer to build a global community supporting women in soccer. Um, in this conversation, I think you guys are going to love it. We went all over the place. We started with her love of the game how she found it growing up in the East Bay of California, in the Bay Area, uh, in Fremont, um, all sorts of of great people that helped her along the way. Um, We talked about some of the business of youth soccer and positives and negatives that we've seen. Um, We talk about the club that she's involved with in New York. Um, And then we get into... Some of the challenges she came up with through her own journey of soccer, um, trying out for the pro team, tearing her ACL at that moment, and then having to reevaluate her life and figure out, how do I get through this to get to where I want to go? Um, and, then, and then we talk a lot about what she's doing now with women in soccer um, and her documentary series, uh, Coach. So, please sit back, relax, take this one in. This is a really good conversation, a long episode, uh, but man, what a joy. And definitely a guest we're going to have back many times because there's just so much to talk about. Um, So, enjoy. Today's episode of Athletes Rising is brought to you by Cinch. Cinch is an API driven sports management platform that simplifies the registration and management process for parents, coaches, directors, and organizations. No more jumping between apps or websites trying to figure out where all of your kids' information is. Cinch puts your entire sporting life in the palm of your hand. Do you or your organization run any kind of camps? Cinch is going to be your answer. Download the app, register your organization, create your camp program, and publish. It's as simple as that. All done from your tablet. Now any parents can search and register their players directly from their phone. You can manage all of your registrations, communications, finances, and even marketing all from your tablet. That's right, Cinch is a mobile app, so as an organization you can have it with you out on the field as well as at home or in your office. To learn more about Cinch and all that it has to offer, visit the website at cinchhq.com or download the apps from the App Store and Google Play. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Athletes Rising. We have Courtney Levinson on the line with us today. Courtney, welcome.
1: <laughs> Hi, thank you.
0: Um, so, yeah, let's just jump on in. Let's, let's get into your story. And um, first and foremost, let's talk about how you found soccer. Uh,
1: my brother. Uh, so being the youngest of three, um, my brother was in the middle. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, everything was about following him. And uh, then we discovered it together, or he discovered it, and then I needed to be doing whatever he was doing. (laughs) Of course. And then um, it was really, we really shared it through our entire youth relationship. It's very special. Um, He was part of, we're from Fremont, East Bay. Mm Mm-hmm. So just a little north uh, east of Las Gatas. Yeah, and um, uh, we had the, ra- the like random opportunity to play for Hugh Kinnear's club.
0: Nice. Which
1: was Dominic was all the yeah. rage, and Damon was a uh, uh, my brother, and um, Johnny Kinnear were great friends, and so yeah. I had this kind of uh, rock star family in the in the in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then the other person is, and, uh, to this day, I'm close with this woman, Erin Martinez, mm-hmm. uh, her, she now goes by Erin Montoya. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I met Erin when I was six or so seven and her dad, John, uh, Martinez is basically the one who made help me fall in love with, um, with soccer and That's wanting awesome. and wanting to love the ball and having and being from mexico and yeah. teaching in south south central san jose um it was a totally different experience than um my fremont experience and um having access to looking at the way those players touched the ball moved off each other played ticky tack like yeah two pass minimum it just became how Aaron and I would just like run the table and it was just so fun. <laughs> no, that's um, awesome. So wow. yeah, my brother and um the Martinez family. So those are my two pivotal things. And you know, it was joy. It was uh yeah. um dancing rhythm and never never felt um uh that, well, so then that is the motivation, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And
1: then the discipline to keep going and having it maintain that level of excitement, right? Because
0: mm-hmm.
1: if it's too easy, it's boring. And if it's too hard, it's too frustrating. Yep. Um, so you're kind of like just kind of inching along that developmental path and yeah. uh, having my brother and having um, the Martinez family in like the earliest stages was, um, super pivotal.
0: Like at what time? Well, first of all, during that time, did you play a lot of other sports as well?
1: Um, not formally, but Mm -hmm. everybody knew how to swim. Everybody rode a bike. Mm -hmm. Everybody got around on their bike. Um, so, and then like other things that were just natural to the way I grew up. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, Wanted to be a tennis star, but you know, always hit the ball too hard. Then, (laughs) like you know, just kind of casual, but never the door was never closed. Yeah, right. And then, um, and knowing very early, like at nine, that soccer was was where I wanted to go. But I liked the other sports too. Yeah, Um, and the friend side, the social component. Um, is also super important, um but yeah. then you know, and then I think middle school is when you start to is when I started to hone in on what I wanted my schedule to be and uh-huh. it was and it was just and it was just soccer, but in high school then it 's like okay i can 't play soccer in the fall, so yeah. or what am I going to do after school i 'll play yep. tennis you know, uh-huh. and um you know had that other those flex those other muscles in a way right and you know how tragic that we're asking kids to just bypass all of that yeah I mean, have this singular experience that just isn't as joyful as it used to be you know
0: yeah i mean i think that's one of the biggest problems that i see is um just this early specialization and this pressure from society saying that if you don't specialize at you know five years years old or something that you're actually falling behind you know and (laughs) You know, my, my personal philosophy and our listeners have heard it many times, so sorry for having to repeat it, people, but um my personal philosophy is that you actually hinder development by specializing early because the things that you are you're gonna learn in tennis, like the footwork needed to to move laterally, um, you're not gonna learn that naturally in soccer. Right. And, you know, the I always say basketball, the movement off the ball, the the structure. Um, you don't you learn that naturally in soccer. Right. So by actually playing these other sports and doing right. these other activities you're furthering your development in a much more exponential way than you would be if you just focused on soccer. And you know,
1: it's it's early. Like, I think um, after I got my master's in sports psychology in my mid-20s, I was still mm-hmm. trying to play. And I came out the gates running. Like, why isn't research being applied?
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: <laughs> and I had to get, like, you guys will run into – all of these factors where research is just completely ignored Yep. and it's like, okay, I think that's then what leads people to becoming
0: entrepreneurs
1: because they need it to be done in a way that, that applies research. Right.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's one thing that um, I've run into a couple of times as well. Like one thing that I think is hugely important in, um, in team building is the psychological and personality makeup of your players. And right. there really isn't much for formal uh, research on that and how it translates at various levels of play. Right. Um, and that's one where, you know, I was, I think I was complaining to my mom about it and she's like, well, go do a PhD on that. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that <laughs> Please <is my> <laughs> do.
1: Please do. But, well, no, let's come out with a curriculum that empowers coaches
0: well it's to, it's to like, do it on their
1: own and it's just like they're just yeah. not trained to know how to it's like you kind of it's like oh cool the personalities gel on the team huh yeah true
0: yeah exactly yeah. exactly and once you
1: enter once you come up against like you're like okay i've had like four or five of those kinds of teams this is so yeah. easy then all yeah. of a sudden you have a challenging player and you're like oh my god this is so disruptive.
0: Well, you know, that's the experience that I had with, mm-hmm. you know, throughout many of the teams that I've played on is a lot of times that disruptive player ends up being the best player. And it's so hard for a It's coach such a it's
1: such a, like, dr- it's such a Shakespearean drama, right? Yeah. It's because like you have like, to Oh, you know he's such a jerk you have to
0: like you have to sacrifice the, I know, the, right? the team
1: totally. for
0: the player to be on the field and if you actually take the player off the field the team actually does a lot better and so it's yeah it's it's a chaotic thing but
1: it's well it's um you know nobody's par- parents in particular are not prepared for like socially awkward situations where yeah. everyone's like oh we all know what's happening but we're like <laughs> You know, yeah. it's 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 taboo. It's like okay, we're not in a realm where we can kind of speak freely about what our thoughts are. It's about yeah. what's happening in front of me, and I think yep. that that kind of intimidation and like culture of like uh, science, like conceding to it, right? Yeah, and then that also is like that's also what leads to you know, the SBFCs and the, and the Brooklyn cities creating themselves. Yeah. Cause then you self-select your parents. Yeah, Cause totally. you set your own totally. norms and you're like, okay, if you're going to be that parent, there's plenty of clubs for you.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's certainly and, what we've found with yeah. SBFC. Right we have yeah. because we started from zero we didn't inherit anything mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. we had this mm-hmm. group of parents that found mm-hmm. us based on our philosophy so right it ended up being it ended up getting rid of from my perspective a lot of the, it, the parent issues that I had had at other places that I had worked it's crazy and so the toxicity and now
1: the toxicity yeah. and like the um the projection
0: uh, and like yeah. what
1: a coach is like supposed to handle of like yeah. all these adult projections, right? It's like, yep. dude, you work for Morgan Stanley, you're fine, you know. Like just let <laughs> yeah. me coach the team, and we'll be good. But they just, mm-hmm. you know, they just there's there's so much of there's just so much of it, you guys. So you have yeah. to go out. So what you did is you created your own culture.
0: Yeah. Right? Exactly. And exactly. it's
1: like, who knew you would have to be in such a situation where you knew where you could, but also like being able to hire the coaches who can then uphold what yep. you guys need them to uphold.
0: But that's part of the problem. Yeah. It was like, that's you know, in, in a lot of these clubs end up being so big that you just need people to be in charge. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have, you don't have really the ability to thoroughly vet. All of the coaches, right? It's more just like I need a coach for this team, right? Who can I find that's right. willing to do right. it? Right. It's a know, weird. For what I'm going to pay. Them. It's
1: it's kind of a weird. Like the last, like it's not professional, right? Like
0: well, it's like it's tried to be yeah. made professional, but it's but it's difficult because honestly,
1: yeah, it's transient. It, it comes down
0: it's, to well, it comes down to financials. Yeah, stuff, true. A lot of things, right? It's like the the field costs are the biggest thing around here, and um which is disheartening right. because like that money shouldn't necessarily be going to the fields or at least not as much of it. It should be going to the educators. It should know. be going to the like, coaches. You
1: shame know? on, shame on city, whatever. Right. Well, it's, it's yeah, like, I don't you even know, know who it's, it, it's like, the school it's, yeah. And you're like, okay, that just goes into a big well. You know, why yeah. not have some yeah. tax break for them where it's like they give it to you guys for free? It's, you know, there's so much that yeah, can be done. I hate these like these archaic things that keep yeah. clubs just mired and like kind of are like stagnant.
0: Right? Yeah, just kind of stuck in the, yeah. stuck in the system. stuck
1: in yeah. that in that middle place. My my. Well, let's um. Yeah, go
0: ahead. Let's let's jump back to yeah. your youth playing career and just kind of sure. let's, let's go to the the time where you realized um you said you were about nine when you just decided you wanted to just do soccer where was the time that you realized that like this was going to be something that was going to be a huge part of your life and that you were like really good at
1: um great question um i i was a freshman in high school mm mm-hmm. And um, it was the NCS finals um, for the high school section or whatever. And uh, yeah. my high school mission and um, at, at kickoff, um, my teammate touched it forward and I saw the goalie was like really creeping out of the 18 and I just mm-hmm. launched it right over her head for like a 45 yard shot on goal right at kickoff.
0: <laughs> i love that and
1: um i was like okay i can play this game because i was a freshman and yep. it, you felt like you were playing against women sometimes you know yeah
0: totally.
1: and uh, especially back then now they kind of all look teensy tiny to me i don't know if it's just like an amnesia <laughs> thing but um so that was pivotal and then my high school being on a competitive club team and um playing um i don't know was like it was before it was the club that became the pleasanton rage it was called tri-valley and um it was the first time that you could move around that you could and they it's when you were in high school you could move around when you were in high school so the borders from um san ramon and danville and pleasanton and everything came down and um they created um you know, a high school team that would go and play it against other clubs that did that too. So Sacramento yeah. down to Almaden and then Las Gatos, of course. So, um, mm-hmm. so that's when it really became, you know, when you're going that far on weekends now at 14, 15, 16, you're, yeah. you're pretty focused. And that's, yep. that's, um, that's what led me to um, getting recruited by Cal Berkeley where I met your, mm-hmm. um, well, I'm much older then. I met her a lot later when she was a bear <laughs> as well. Um, yep. So I went to Cal and um, was excited to, um, I was excited to be at Cal. I almost went to Virginia.
0: Another great school.
1: Great school. And at WAGS, I was walking around and I I, I loved it. And then I went on my official visit and it was freezing and i (laughs) was from the bay and i just wasn't ready and it was like evacuation area and i i'm like Uh oh man and you know what it was um east coast ball is so different than west coast ball and the more i watched like the more i was like in watching a training session the more i was like okay this isn't this isn't the soccer i i'm this isn't the soccer i can play right now
0: like yeah. someday
1: maybe, like, um, but it just wasn't where I was at. And I needed more touches, I needed more finesse. And um uh-huh. so stayed stayed on the West Coast and um dove into Cal and changed my life and I'm you yeah. know, forever a bear and the those experiences it weren't winning experiences. <laughs> but yeah. they were formative experiences nonetheless um so yeah so that was oh. kind of from 14 let's, on that's
0: that's interesting just um what you say about realizing having that moment of realization of i can't play this kind of ball right now and so let's let's dive into that a little mm-hmm. bit um because like I think that's an that's an interesting and like a really mature thing to realize at a at a young age of watching these players playing a different style mm-hmm. um, and a different a different flow mm-hmm. of soccer mm-hmm. and then having that realization to to say like yeah maybe someday that but but right now I I know I can do this right and so, yeah talk about your your thought process well that. it was
1: very very physical and it was very direct mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um and I didn't um, I was on the outside mid, and I, I just wanted to be left alone out there, right? And like, yeah. like so. It was, it was like they were playing a, a very tight, tight, tight inside game, that would then yeah. go out, but yep. out so fast, and it like so, um, f- like almost formulaically. That, yeah. and and there was no number 10 so there yeah. was no central midfielder it was it it just it wasn't connected but it they were okay with it they liked it that way yeah and, and that and so i was res, i respected it but like i didn't get it i was wasn't exposed to it and yeah. um you know they were like these guys are so soft
0: <laughs> you don't yeah. go
1: in you know, and mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was like, they're kind of right, but I didn't <laughs> mind. I liked it that way too. And then I grew into yeah. knowing how to play both, but I didn't want to be yeah. that far away from my parents learning how to yep. fucking play that kind of soccer. <laughs> yeah. No,
0: totally.
1: <laughs> I knew it would come that. later. So I was happy to stay at Cal and at Cal, that's yeah. where um, I came into Cal and it wasn't a winning culture. And I'm very proud to say that when I left, it was, and
0: well, yeah. Let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about what the culture was like when you came.
1: Okay, to Cal. it was. Um, so I thought it was going to be a winning culture <laughs> because the previous year they'd gone further than they had in a long time and lost to Stanford in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was excited about joining that and. Yeah. um not really understanding that that's not the team i was going to play for
0: yeah like
1: that starting lineup left
0: exactly yeah <laughs> and uh, like, unfortunately and, that's how it uh, goes. you
1: know and those those who came in or who were you know i i you know it just you can't i mean i i don't know it wasn't the the intent the winning uh, mentality wasn't um, felt, or pa- like maybe yeah. it just wasn't passed on, and maybe they didn't know how to, or maybe, you know, maybe there's bitterness yeah. or whatever, you know. Just this this player is just not mm-hmm. as the one who played last year.
0: Um, yeah, yeah.
1: And then and then there was an intense amount of coach hatred, and that just like huh. poisons everything, right? And, um, not naturally being wired to complain or be nasty when I'm like, Mm -hmm. I mean, when everything he was saying was, I would want to ask of them too. like, Jen, you should get to that ball faster or, you know what, it shouldn't take you eight passes to get out of the bag you know and instead of yeah. it, it's like it's almost like they just didn't want to be coached and that was confusing yeah. to me yeah. right and then um and but it it yeah. set it set this thing in motion and the coach that I came in with um left when I would after my um sophomore year I think. yeah my no my junior year Mm-hmm. um and uh it was and then a new coach came in and he and um he cut a bunch of cut a bunch of players and recruited a bunch of different players and yep. and then changed the whole mentality of what his culture was going to be you know and unfortunately that previous yeah. coach didn't have the skill set to approach those players and go we need to work this out because my job's more important than you being, than you're complaining. So my, and, and if for (laughs) him to not kind of take that direct route, you know, I would, for him, I would look back and be like, I should have, I should have gone to those four players that ended up getting me fired. And that's his real life yeah. job, right? Well, I mean, and it's just like they're in college and yeah, they're complaining. Exactly, yeah. And it's it's yeah. it's a it's like a weird, it was just a weird dynamic. But then it went in this direction and Kevin Boyd took over the team. Um, I, you know, my yeah. I'm wired to trust my coach and to like my coach and to listen to my coach. So um yeah. because I had great coaches. Some people don't as they come up, so they do question everything. Yeah, that's the thing. Is, the, a lot of people you know, don't. and they're wired to because they had this youth mm-hmm. experience where it might have shaped their lens, right? So there was nothing anybody could have done, right? No matter who it was, they were going to complain. Yeah, that's that profile, and yeah. that's that's that toxicity of club soccer that you hate you know and these girls like they were from the surf and one was from you know and it's just like oh my god you guys
0: well unfortunately it's like i worry that we get we're getting back into kind of that frame of things when you have these parents that have kind of um fought these battles for kids um through their entire youth careers and then these kids get into college and they have no idea how to handle it. And nowadays, college coaches, I mean, it's a its a big time job and college coaches, they don't have time for any of that. Right. They don't have time for any of that nonsense.
1: Oh, I just lost you guys. Hello? Oh, can you hear me? Oh, okay, there we go.
0: Um, okay, I'm through the youth game, we're just not really like preparing our players for that next level um and and i would argue that it's even outside of sport in itself it's like by by not having our kids um have some sort of like failure and and having and having their battles be fought by their parents they're not prepared for like the real world because the real world when push comes to shove you better be able to fight you know you you can't just like sit back and wait for things to happen you actually have to do things and i think that you know we're just not we're not really preparing kids for that these days.
1: What I, what I see happening too, is like, they go into adulthood like that Yep. and then they become those kinds of adults.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And it's just a way, because it's like you said, it's bigger than mm-hmm. soccer. It's kind of like their entire lens and this is one mm-hmm. arm yep. of it. Right. And, and, um and it's such a, it's such a disservice. Yeah. Right like man because she didn't want that put on her yeah nobody does and like no no parent kind of means to yeah but yeah anyways so yeah um i'm so so how did (laughs) so what
0: were some of the things that um kevin boyd did to change the culture and turn it into that winning kind of culture i mean i know you mentioned that he had cut a few players and sometimes that's all it takes. But was there anything else that really stood out?
1: Yeah, he he just taught us X's and O's in yeah. a lot in a in a lot more clear way. And and how how to play formations mm-hmm. against different teams when we needed to play different formations. Mm-hmm. And why and why? Yeah. And and what 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 each person's responsibility in that formation was and so he he communicated much yeah. much better and and we just we started to just get mm-hmm. it and then once you have that feedback of oh I I I get it yeah we got it and then you play it yeah. and then you and then you get it and you and you hold each other in in the shape yep. And then so that feedback loop of creating success and then, you know, and like who was going to communicate how that shape
0: Interesting, yeah. changes,
1: attacks or defends how that communication sounds. And, you know, I've heard I've heard video of myself like in games and I'm like, oh, my gosh, who am I <laughs> screaming at? Like, it's so humiliating. I'm like, oh, my God, how did you enjoy playing with me sometimes? I'm like,
0: that's funny. <laughs>
1: I'm like that cool person off the field. And then on the field, I'm like, yeah. Oh, not all the time, but you know, usually when some kind of expectation that I couldn't control wasn't yeah. being met. Yeah. Right. And like, totally. That's what I wasn't equipped with. Yep. Right. And um, you know, so, so, but yeah, he, he taught us how to play soccer mm. in a much better, more cohesive way. That's
0: interesting. Well, I think that's, you talk about like the communication piece and how that was sound like one of the biggest and most important pieces. And like, so I, I see that and like see the bridge into, you know, post soccer or, um, you know, call it the, the business world or, you know, just after that and Mm -hmm. that still being the same lesson that needs to be learned from people is, you know, the importance of the right kind of communication and the right kind of leadership and, you know, the respect up the, up the chain of command and, and all of that. And so I I find that fascinating that it's like you, once that structure is put into place, then the culture changes and, and it
1: uh, it did, it it totally shifted and And then, and then it's like, yeah, it makes for the success and, and the vision is supported and and then, um, and then he brought in um, Karen Roth, um, mm-hmm. Catherine Roth, who is an yep. alumni. And Cal soccer needed that win. The winning mentality was going to come from yep. the alumni, and the alumni believing in them and making them feel a part of something bigger than mm-hmm. themselves. And it and it completely worked. Catherine brought JT in. And JT became the assistant coach yep. for Kevin. And they really built a dynasty that they should be really yeah. proud of. And there's thousands of women who've benefited from it. Um, so that was the... And then so JT bringing and Catherine bringing in the female coaching side. The, those were my first two... My mom was my high school coach. So I did have a female <laughs> yeah. coach. But I never had a... Um, Like, you know, a formally competitive female coach ever in club, ODP, not at the regional level um, ever. So this, this, that was my first experience with it. And, and that's, so when I, when I graduated, I, I wanted to play in the pro league that everybody was saying might happen. So I planned on, I just started coaching and playing and um started playing with this semi professional team in yep. Sacramento, and spent a good amount of time um in another winning yep. culture that um was a super formative um part of my life and uh, you know the other part um having that moment in the earliest yep. USA to try out and tearing my a c l oh, gosh. And it being uh, it being something where at the time where I was like I'll just come back, yeah, from it, right. And um, started that journey, and that journey included sports psychology. Mm-hmm. And because that was outside of Cal, it was all the rehab was all on my own. Yeah. There was no. There was no golf yeah. cart like yeah. taking me back and forth to my apartment, yeah. you know, um, with ice. Yeah, you know, there it was like how oh my god, I, I, there was nobody like rubbing yeah. it out or like hooking me up to the stem machine. You just have to. So I had never. I was one of those kind of like I thought I knew how to work yeah. hard, and then there was a whole another level of discipline and hard work Mm -hmm. and processing and to um get back to um game shape yeah well and uh, through an acl it's it's excruciating um because it's because it feels
0: yeah yeah
1: and it sucked but that was the part where i was like you know, that coincided with, like, getting into my graduate program. Yeah. And so the sports psychology side of, okay, so the process goals, the long-term goals, yeah. right? Just getting bent, get it, okay, let's get to 100, 102 degrees today. Yeah. Like, like let's just do it. So that helped me shift it. And then I said, okay, this is my career. Yeah. And I moved into coaching full-time and yeah. running
0: clubs. Well, let's, let's go back to that moment of like tearing your ACL and, you know, the thing that you have dreamed about doing your entire life playing pro all of a sudden is like put on hold or put into question. So what was your, what was your mindset in that?
1: You, you, you go through a period of like numb and maybe a little bit of denial yeah <laughs> um and then and then you just sorry my <laughs> four-year-old um, and then you and then you've got to get to work yeah. you know um well you have this whole like you know it's excruciatingly painful and then you this this thing that descends on you is like whoa I really tore my ACL. Yeah, I mean now. I
0: feel like there has to be this depression that sits, you Super. know. Super. And, and Super so like depression. how do you or what did you use to like basically get out of that and and get back on track?
1: Hmm. Um, I used a lot of yeah. music and I used a um I use a lot of different modalities um, where I was um, fortunate enough to be renting a pool Mm -hmm. house and um, I would get into the pool and just sprint in the deep end. And I had access to this pool whenever I needed it. And that water therapy really, really worked. And, you know, visualization, because when I'm in, doing the sprints, it's like you're chasing yeah, down a totally. ball or, or you're running, you know, you're, somebody is like behind you running yeah. something, you know? So using visualization, um, while I was rehabbing, was it really big? Um, uh, it benefited me the most. Was there like,
0: was there like um, a moment when yeah. you when it just kind of switched from like the depression to like, Oh, I I feel good. And I feel, I see like this light at the end of the tunnel.
1: Yes, there was. And it, and it really, it, it is, it does come down to the physical therapist that you have to see a lot in the first, like in the first three weeks, you have to go, you have to go a lot. And, and so that interaction um, is, is really important because you have a relationship yep. with this person, yep. right? And so mine allowed me to process, but wouldn't let me yeah. victimize. Okay. okay. And it, it, especially because there was absolutely mm. nobody around me to blame it yeah. on. Right? Yeah, totally, like, <laughs> It wasn't somebody else's fault. And, um, he and and sensed sensed when and because when you want to be able to like process and not rush me he just wouldn't talk yeah and then i would come out of it and he would talk (laughs) and i and so there anybody wouldn't talk about that right and so i i saw that as like okay because nothing's permanent right it's like you're in that state but you move out of it
0: yeah.
1: and, and you want to acknowledge, okay, you, you you've moved out of yeah. it. And I could, and I could go from his sessions to then my pool session yeah. or this session. And like, you know, I'm so lucky. Like I had a great job that allowed this flexibility yeah. for this to happen. Um, but, uh, but that's with coaching too. And, you know, it's like you work around yep. it. I could be on the field. um and and do my thing just not interact but I could still do my job. Yeah. So that helped too. So when I could get back to the field, I could have the 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 feedback of we're glad you're here. Yeah. Right? So it does come in stages. You know, you do there's a process to gr- it's grieving. Yeah. You know, it's like grieving exactly. the loss of your professional sports career. Yeah, you know. No. And um and then you could you're like okay and you go through your grieving process, mm-hmm. and you know you you once you're in that other feedback yeah range, you're you're good, and you know how to talk about it, and you know how you know where you're going. Yeah. Um. And then there's then there's reentry, right? Yeah. So reentry brings its whole other, um, you know, fears with it, and it it does come down to the rehabilitation and confidence in it
0: yeah that's um that's like the yeah the interesting one with with reentry is um i feel like you you are going to go through again that little b- bout of depression because you think you you've been looking forward to this for so long then you think mm-hmm. that you're going to be where you were before and then you have to realize that it's you're just starting the journey again <laughs>
1: You know, it's a, and it's like, it's such a powerful character arc because how much, it's like, it's part of the human experience, right? Yep. It's not, it's not, and, and kind of test seeing what you can, what can happen on the other side. Yeah. And so much of it is how we're wired in our response, right? Yep. If our the response is you came in and you tried to do a whole bunch of stuff and the response wasn't good, you're like in a feed, negative feedback thing, yep. right? So if you came in and you're wired to see what you're doing as part of the success, mm-hmm. like, sweet. I am even just having this thought right now. I'm here. I'm on the field. Yep. I'm good. It's good. If, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's two people have very different lenses with yep. that, right? Yep, totally. And it does come back to that kind of like victim versus action. Yeah um and um and but they you know then you also have the other profile of obsessive Uh and you can't you can't be obsessive either yeah yeah um because that'll put you you know and obsessive comes with this whole other (laughs) sort of baggage you know so i was neither yeah i had a great rehab guy i i i I trusted him Mm -hmm. he didn't he made it was like don't go in if you haven't prepared for a tackle yet yeah exactly you know, go in and have him, you know, hold a medicine ball and, and tell him how hard you could go. Yeah. And then, you know, do five sets. Yeah. Um, Then it's like not weird when you have to go and do it against the teammate.
0: Yeah, totally. Right. Totally. And you're like,
1: it's just the medicine ball, but you have, so it's daunting because you have to put in a lot of time with the reps like I said, of those medicine balls and
0: everything, yep.
1: Yep. but it's like what ends up happening on the other side of the reps, just like with the mastery program with Techno Football,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's like you're like a different player.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think the the repetition is hugely important there.
1: So the, the 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 pressure to get back faster, yeah, it just it's so it's so unnecessary, and it just messes with players' minds. Yep. You know, um, so look, you know, it, it frustrates me that there's even things called orthopedic hospitals. Yeah. Like, like why are you an orthopedic sports medicine person? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why are we doing, that? why is there an entire field <laughs> dedicated to, a dedicated to allowing kids to over injure themselves? Yeah. It's, it's really bizarre to me. Yeah. And um anyways, I uh I feel for these kids that have to endure that kind of you know, if I was twenty five. Yeah. What if you're fifteen? Yeah. I would not be having this conversation right now, right? Yeah,
0: no, I mean I have a, a player um that I used to coach who tore his ACL his senior year of high school. And you know, it, it it's been difficult for him, but he's about uh, the most positive person in the world been difficult for him because he has those moments of depression and it's figuring out how how do we work through this in order to get to the other side and continue his dream of playing soccer. right
1: right right, right. and it is it is challenging what his brain is is having mm-hmm. problem with mm-hmm. challenging it but not judging it
0: yeah exactly
1: and that's that's where parents get really it's really true that's where a third party is really helpful yeah because a parent's been faced, you know what I mean? A parent's just so mired in it. Sometimes they don't see it yeah. clearly. They just see the behavior. Yep, of course. Um, and so having a third party be able to um, help them, help them challenge it without feeling like they're wrong for even feeling it. Yeah. Right. Because the shame of the depression is really what we're in totally new World of opportunity for you to be working with a high, with a teenage boy yep. who wants to talk to you about his depression yeah, yeah. when you were in high school, you it wasn't even something that we were we thought we needed to talk to yeah, you about exactly. but we probably did yeah. no you probably, right. probably lost teammates who like yep. had anger control issues mm-hmm. or. Mm-hmm you know whatever and you're like god he would have been a great player if he didn't get in his own way sometimes you know oh, yeah. like all those all those kinds of things just need to be challenged without judged and that's such a fine skill yep. of a of a coach and a and you need a, you totally need a village yeah. so what's good is that that player and his parents are into the village
0: yeah totally
1: and don't judge it or feel weird about yep. it or want to troll it yep. or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like bash it online. Yeah, like, exactly. God, you know, well,
0: let's, um, let's, jump to, Crazy things. let's yeah. jump to kind of what you're doing now and, and how sure. a lot of these lessons um, have helped you in what you do now.
1: Well, the, When I left California and coming to New York, I started running a girls club that was attached to a very well-established competitive boys club Mm -hmm. called Downtown United Soccer Club. And I had a good experience in the beginning. And then what took me out are the typical things. Um, of toxic parents mm-hmm. and I was starting family and just doing a new chapter of my life mm-hmm. so I said goodbye but on totally good terms at the time the gender imbalance in coaching was um, a huge a big concern yeah now fast forward to 2016 when I re-entered youth club soccer with Brooklyn City football club mm-hmm. um it was a straight up crisis. Yeah. And uh, we, in Brooklyn and New York, um, fortunately the young female players don't have um, the kind of institutions that you guys have in the Bay. Yeah. It, it, it's just not the same. And they just don't exist all the way through high school mm-hmm. for them. And it's just built differently. There's less fields. So you have to hold on. Like the girls who love playing have you have to really love playing, yeah
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> so you get this spirit of these girls out here and like so we we really wanted to give them something, and um, we built we built we wanted to go from youth to a semi pro women's team mm-hmm. that was all in one club, so we did that, and we have we have a great um, hopefully a great summer ahead of us of our inaugural season into the UWS. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, um, um, I'm sorry. I got distracted. Hold on. Sorry. Um, so with Brooklyn, I couldn't, I couldn't hire a female coach if I wanted to. Yeah. And I started to watch club practices and they were very disheartening. There's very little joy. Mm -hmm. There's no joga bonita. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was scared. Um, because a lot of the USA gymnastics stuff had just come out Uh and I was really scared about like another generation only having experienced one lens of a coach yeah now I loved all my male coaches they're all amazing yeah I'm not saying that but there's just if that's the only lens that we're doing year after year after year after year for every girl everywhere ever Mm -hmm. like that concerns me and uh so I needed to put a profile of a coach in front of them, and um, I knew a storyteller um, who made um, cultural videos. And I'm like, "Is this interesting for a documentary?" And I want I want to tell Tracy Ham's story about yeah. her UEFA A license journey, because when I, she told me th- about her residency in Wales yeah. and the um, other candidates who were in her class, I said. That's exactly what I need young women to see. Yeah, totally. I need them to see you in the room with these guys, just being you. Yeah. you, you, you know, and I knew that it would work because she happens to be one of those individual profiles that can deal with the, that can tolerate moving in these settings
0: yeah.
1: and maintain her professionalism throughout. Yeah. And I needed to be a witness to that. So I hired a documentary crew out of NYU, mm-hmm. and uh, I said, and they were not soccer people. I said they they could not be soccer people. Yeah, um, I can't get them being enchanted with like whoever's yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm like, I need them to not know anybody. And so I found them. I found these, you know, NY and NYU grads, and they went over and they made a beautiful film, and um, I'm what it portrays is Tracy's journey to achieving this um, highly coveted license and, um, you know, allowing us to witness those obstacles Mm -hmm. um, without judging them and just seeing the experience.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. And
1: then, and what I think it hits, I think it strikes the right balance of Nobody's doing anything on purpose. Yeah. There's a lot of unconscious bias that exists that once is rewritten, allows access to everybody to have this kind of experience. And that's what making coach was about. So that, first of all, to get girls excited about how great Tracy is. And like, it really comes through. She's this incredible leader motivator and um and it's very inspiring and so she basically saved my relationship with soccer because I was close to leaving it when I realized where she was going I said this is going to be my entry back into soccer Mm -hmm. and it's led me to this understanding of if you I had to create it myself yep my my career has to be created myself so that None of the things that exist in soccer right now interfere with it. Yeah. The same way with SBFC. You are building something that the toxicity and other stuff doesn't interfere. You guys still are doing your thing. Yep. And that's the kind of independence that I needed. And it's, it's really helped me meet the people that will help me keep working in, in, in soccer. Yeah. And uh, hold on, excuse me you need in the so screening coach for the past year yeah you go to conferences and you talk about um gender inequality and then you leave the conference and nothing happens yeah and then you go to the next conference and you talk about gender inequality <laughs> and i have so i had this i had this year of, of living in gender inequality
0: yeah
1: and it was it was starting to affect my lens of mm-hmm. And just my normal Courtney lens. I'm like, what's happening right now?
0: Yeah.
1: So then I went to my final conference and I learned about a, um, organization in London called women in football. Mm-hmm. And the founder was, um, speaking on a panel and it just clicked to me, like, let's make women in soccer in the United States. Yep. And it can be a, it's for jobs and networking and, yep. um, Community en- en-
0: enhancement it, of it all. Yeah. It's
1: yeah, and like, I like, this allows me to now live in the solution. Yeah, because I'm sure you both know people that like others go to. Yep to help somebody get information on the scholarship yeah. or I have this great co or this, this, and I have been that person for years and I'm like, I need to formalize this yeah, totally, and take, and take myself out of that role.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and because there's enough women now in soccer that want this conduit to be built. Yeah. And so it's going, women in soccer is, is, Coach the movies called action. I love it. Once I, re- I was like, it can't just be about coaching. Cause women are coming up to me. They're like, I don't work in coaching, but I feel Tracy's story because I'm in it for Manchester United. Yeah, totally. And I didn't even know that there were other women in it until I started to <laughs> go to these other things. And so I'm like, it, it's broadcasting. Yeah. It's it, it's marketing. It's, um, you know, all the things that go into those fields, the camera, the audio, the, this, so it's, it's trying to bridge. Then there's, there's this other component too about the me too movements created a lot of mandates for um, candidates, like requiring a certain amount of female candidates. Now there's a lot of problems with finding candidates because they don't exist and nobody wants to put a female in a position she can't handle, right. That she's not qualified for. Mm -hmm. So then it just ends up becoming this, you know, reciprocal thing of hiring inside. And like, it just, then it just never changes. So a lot of these organizations, U S soccer, NWSL, MLS, they, they need, they they want their H like this is the place where HR could shine, yeah. right? They need women in soccer to help them um, get more eyes on the things that are open, right? Yeah. There's scholarships, there's internships, there's mentorship opportunities, there's, um, you know, entrepreneur, like grassroots organization support. Like, yeah. you know, once that kind of understanding of how, diverse um and inclusive the network is Mm -hmm. um that's that's the vision that i see where you know female footballers in in the bay area has like pen pals with brooklyn city football players, you know or or something where it's fun or in the community meets you where you're at you don't have to have played yeah maybe you just want to go to games and like support things and have good content Um, so we are, we are building this. We've partnered with beyond sport beyond sport is a great, great organization in the sport for social change sector that I want women in soccer to be a part of sport for social change and dive into all of those partnerships that come with them too. So we are really trying to, um, create access to what happens to your youth players at SBFC once they graduate out, mm-hmm. right? Yep. They become members of women in soccer. Totally. And if they want to go into coaching, they, they have a pathway that's laid out for them. Yep. They have an online educational resource. They have, they, maybe they want to go into starting a grassroots organization like female footballers. Yep. Okay. Cassie can be their mentor, yep. you know, like all these different ways that, the community wants to interact yeah it it, it's like that's that creates the participation that long game you guys i want this league to not disappear and it needs the stability of this of 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 not just female fans, or like, you know what I mean? Well, it like, needs the it needs, needs the this.
0: culture behind it in order yes, to support it yes. at all the various levels, and exactly that's what. And I believe that culture
1: is there. It's there,
0: but it's not but it's, united.
1: Yes, it's not so united. We are totally stronger. So that's that's what Women in Soccer <laughs> is going to do, yeah. and it's a free membership, and it will have um, the membership will include the benefits of the different platforms on the website. Yeah community events and, um, and the, different, the different ways to be involved. Um, and it, again, it, it feels like I'm part of the solution instead of complaining about the lack of female coaches out there.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And that, I can't even tell you how good it's like <laughs> not waking up and like going back into fire every day. Yeah, totally. Because like, why isn't this changing? Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, I can't do that i know all these amazing women working in soccer yeah
0: no totally you're totally right i mean it's it's, it's the same experience that i had with um with south afc which was you know i just see this direction that youth soccer is going and um and i just don't i don't agree with it and so instead of yeah. sitting there and complaining about it actually do something actually try right. try something and and put yourself out there and you know if it works it works and if it doesn't at least you tried <laughs> you know, you know
1: I, but it's like it's also the the willingness to be, like, you're not threatened if somebody doesn't like you.
0: No, not at all. People, right? people can have and, their like, own that, ideas about how to get get to the that, end like, goal. That's fine. That
1: resonates. Yeah. That resonates, though. And I think that that ends up being, like, the word of mouth that, oh, that's the club you want to go to.
0: Yeah. Right? Because I mean, he doesn't hope.
1: roll over for whatever, whatever. Well, the, so, the
0: hope with the club is that we can inspire this love of the game in players that will go yeah. well beyond their own playing right. career but more right. like plug them into the culture of the soccer. culture you know that's it
1: the, the cult that, that they're making
0: that they're making right
1: yes. that they're contributing to mm-hmm. and that i i love that part of it right yeah that that it's kind of up to us y'all yeah so and it's like the good ones will rise when they feel like you know like oh okay yeah because it, even the littlest amount of participation yeah is is it connects them yeah and it connects it it connects to the culture yeah so that kind of mobilization I think is ripe right now and um with Elise LaHue is the is the gm at sky blue Mm -hmm. in new jersey in new york yeah and they are playing at the red bulls stadium this this summer yeah Uh, um cross my fingers yes (laughs) um (laughs) that move is everything because it brings the culture closer to people who want it yeah he was at Rutgers, and it was like sometimes the bathrooms weren't open yeah i mean come on
0: yeah exactly
1: what does that do to a player it was like wait what I just came from UNC yeah yeah we're like my name is on like everything yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, and now I'm at Rutgers and I'm knocking on the door to like, like but these on. are these
0: are the steps that need to happen in order right. to raise the level of the game I mean I think you you would ask or you'd say the same thing or the, the players from MLS in the early days would say the same thing I mean I certainly had experiences like that even playing with the earthquakes True. where you know, we were our locker room was a trailer my college locker room was way better than my pro locker room. And that's funny. And and then we would have to drive, you know, 10 miles to down the, the road st- to training. <laughs> Whereas again, at University of Portland, you know, you have this world-class right. facility. It's made for you. And so it's just these are the steps that need to take in order for that culture to become what it is today. You know, and now now you look at MLS and you have these incredible stadiums, incredible. you have this incredible culture. Um, and it just continues to grow and grow. And, you know, I look at that and just say, those are, that's, that's paying the dues for like, and and playing my part in growing the game in the, in the country. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm
1: so happy. That's so, what a great trajectory that you got to see.
0: Exactly. Exactly. You know, and,
1: and personally experience and, yep. and know that like people work their butt off to get it to where it is right now. Right. Yeah yeah right and all the behind the scenes stuff but
0: it all is it all starts in that love and that enjoyment because if you didn't love and enjoy it then you wouldn't put up with all of that right right right
1: those players in that trailer were like all right but now let's go play that was with (laughs) the
0: earthquakes in 05 and that trailer was you could have put us anywhere it could have been you know I know, right? it didn't matter. <laughs> like we had, we just had such a good culture amongst that group, and it showed. That year, we lost four games total, and um, you know, and then we lost in the first round of playoffs to the Galaxy, of course. But um,
1: <laughs> but you didn't take the trailer with you to any of the games.
0: Now. Right? you you, uh, you just
1: you just brought yourself and you stepped but on the pitch, and you're like, it was, I love this. It
0: was just bigger than that. It was like, yeah, you know, here's sure. here's the situation. That's great. We don't really care about it. We like being with each other, and the, so the culture was what was so important and, and we kind of had this mentality of we're going to be this very blue collar team we don't care about any of the nonsense we just love to play the game and we like to work hard for each other and, it, and oh my gosh is so
1: great isn't that so great to be around a group of people who don't care yeah, yeah. about that part you know and it, right so so like selfless right yeah, exactly. like this is yeah this isn't about me having a shiny mirror
0: yeah well, this is about you know um, being connected. Let's, yeah,
1: please. Let, we could talk till three o'clock in the morning, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all have kids running around, <laughs> so I'll let you get back.
0: Exactly. Well, yeah. Let tell everybody where they can find out more information about you and all the various projects that you're working on.
1: Well, um, we are in our earliest stages of women in soccer. Mm-hmm. You can visit womeninsoccer.org to sign up and um, receive about our launch date information. There's also the handle at women in soccer. And those are the two platforms that we're using right now. We're just in our super infancy, but trying to collect emails now so that when we do have our launch date prepped and everything, we are ready to hit the send button. Mm -hmm. And so people can go there now and sign up. And follow us on our Instagram handle and um, join us in this movement.
0: Um, That is awesome. So, look, Courtney, thank you so much for coming on Athletes Rising. What an amazing conversation. I'd actually love to have you on again because I feel like, as you said, we could talk for the next 10 hours without i would
1: love to come on with tracy yeah no that would be amazing she has some great stories about whales we love breaking it down well yeah i mean this is an awesome platform thank you for inviting me it's humbling to be a part of this community and i'm um i had a great time obviously so thank you so much and i look forward to our
0: next conversation awesome thanks so much
1: okay (laughs) Oh, 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 oh oh, 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 oh